would you turn with me to Ruth chapter 4, Ruth chapter 4, and uh, Zoe's going to come in a moment and preach, and uh, as I suggested a little earlier, we're working our way through this book, and uh, this is the second to last uh, reading and sermon today, so <coughs> Luke chapter 4, sorry, Ruth chapter 4, just said that to make sure you were uh, all paying attention. Okay, Ruth chapter 4. Meanwhile, Boaz went up to the town gate and sat there. When the kingsman redeemer he had mentioned came along, Boaz said, come over here, my friend, and sit down. So he went over and sat down. Boaz took ten of the elders of the town and said, sit here, and they did so. Then he said to the kinsman redeemer, Naomi has come back from Moab, is selling the piece of land that belonged to, her, to our brother Elimelech. I thought I should bring the matter to your attention and suggest that you buy it in the presence of these seated here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, do so. But if you do not, tell me so I will know. For no one has the right to do it except you, and I am next in line. I will redeem it, he said. Then Boaz said, On the day you buy the land from Naomi and Ruth the Moabitess, you acquire the dead man's widow in order to maintain the name of the dead and his property. At this the kinsman redeemer said, Then I cannot redeem it because I might endanger my own estate. You redeem it yourself. I cannot do it. Now in the early time in Israel, for the redemption and the transfer of property to become final, one party took off his sandal and gave it to the other. This was the method of legalizing transactions in Israel. So the kinsman redeemer said to Boaz, buy it yourself and he removed his sandal. Then Boaz announced to the elders of all the people, Today you are witnesses that I have bought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Kilion, and Marlon. I have also acquired Ruth the Moabitess, Marlon's widow, as my wife, in order to maintain the name of the dead with the property so that his name will not disappear from among us, from among his family, or from the town records. Today you are witnesses. Then the elders and all those at the gate said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your home be like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the house of Israel. May you have standing in Epaphrah, and, in the, and be famous in Bethlehem. Through the offspring the Lord gives you, by this young woman, may your family be like that of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah. May God add blessing to the reading and the preaching of his holy and inspired word. Zoe, do you want to come up? And uh, I'll just pray for you if I may. And, uh, and you get on. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this passage of Scripture. 
And Lord, it says elsewhere that you breathe, you speak in all of Scripture. And we pray today that you might speak through this passage to each one of us. And we pray for your blessing and your guiding hand to be upon Zoe as she brings that sermon. May, Lord, we believe she's already met with your Holy Spirit in her preparation. May she meet with your Holy Spirit as she preaches. And, Lord, we pray that we will know your will and your purpose in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, John. We're nearly there in our series on Ruth, exploring this theme of everyday faithfulness. And to start this morning, I have a question for you. A question to get you thinking, to get you pondering, I hope. And the question is, can you think of a time in your life where you have witnessed something life-changing? So when have you witnessed something life-changing? Immediately, something might come to mind to you. And it might be positive or negative. Maybe you've sadly witnessed something shocking and, and an accident, perhaps, that has changed the course of someone's life. And maybe that has led you to lead a word of witness, perhaps, um, or to share a testimony in, in a court setting where your testimony goes on record. Or maybe an example that comes to mind is actually something more positive, a time when you've witnessed something amazing and the only response that you have had is to share that instantly with others. What have you witnessed? What is coming to mind? If you were to witness or observe, observe the Lane family group chat at the moment, then we might as well change the name of it to the grandchildren chat. Because at the moment, the only thing that is happening in the Lane family WhatsApp chat is my brother who's just become a father in the last four weeks with his wife, and then my sister and her husband witnessing their children experience things for the first time. And we are witnessing everything they do. I mean, multiple pictures a day at the moment that I love, but we are seeing them sleep for two hours in a row for the first time. We are seeing them go to Ikea and put tomato pasta all over their face for the first time. We are witnessing every life's moment that you can capture from a distance at the moment. And I love it because I am loving being an aunt to my niece and to my nephew, but we are seeing every milestone that they witness from a distance. And today, I think there is something significant for us to see in the passage about the role of the witnesses, what they are seeing Boaz do. And that's what we're going to spend a moment to focus on and then think more widely in scripture about what the theme of being a witness is. We see three characters today in these 12 verses. We firstly see Boaz poised, uh, sat waiting at the town gates, the place where business happens. And then he is waiting to meet with the unnamed Kingsman Redeemer. And then he calls over others, a group of witnesses, to kind of witness this moment. Boaz, the unnamed Kingsman Redeemer, and a group of witnesses. And it's their job that we're going to explore together. They are witnessing the Redeemer who acts. And what are they witnessing? What is their job and how throughout Scripture do we see this role of a witness? God 
ensuring this role, this responsibility to us. And it weaves right through scripture and lands on our doorstep too. So today we are asking, who are we witnessing to? Because the story of Ruth, as we studied it together, is worth telling. It's worth sharing with others, isn't it? Through this one account in scripture, through this one family, we are seeing hopelessness, loss and grief be redeemed. Full circle hope. We are seeing characters who have spoken of emptiness and brokenness and bitterness and anger towards God restored and redeemed. We are, in, we are seeing a God who is ensuring that they do not leave empty-handed. That's what we were thinking about together last week. The God who restores full circle back to them. And we're seeing characters pursue hope, cling on to a God of their in-laws, follow and go after, pursuers of hope. And we are seeing characters writing themselves into God's story. And we have seen the Israelite God come through for his people. We've seen through Boaz, Jesus, the image of Christ to come. We've seen his generosity, his kindness, his abundance. And now today we see him honour Ruth through his word and through his actions. Last week we were thinking about how hope is on the horizon and now today we see it accomplished through this act. And our hope on the horizon, we see through Jesus, the one who came and ultimately, ultimately sacrificed his life for us, redeemed and restores us full circle hope again for us to live an abundant life with him. And that is worth telling others about. So we're going to explore for a moment what the witnesses see and what their job is to do. So Boaz is poised and waiting. Come over, friend, he says. Take a seat. And we don't know who this unnamed Kingsman Redeemer is. And that fact puzzles me. Why is he not named in this account? Why is he anonymous? Have you ever considered that before? The multiple characters in scripture where we don't know their name. Is his job to assist and not to be acknowledged? Are they preserving his anonymity because he's failed to do his duty? He doesn't step up to redeem. And we don't know and we can only surmise for a moment why we don't know who this man is. But up to this point in the story, I've used this refrain that the characters are writing themselves into God's story. So I think it's significant at this moment that we don't know who he is. Last week, we were thinking about bold and brave and vulnerable actions of faith. And at this point in the story, we are considering whether a Kingsman Redeemer is going to step up to redeem the family name and legacy of Elimelech's line. And we don't hear this man's name. Do you remember the character Orpah that we studied a few weeks ago? And I kind of suggested that she exits the story and we never see her again. Here we have an unnamed man who in a sense never makes it into the story because he says no. Is that set from the beginning? We don't know. Was he closed off from being part of God's story? We don't know. But he's not named 
and he's not written in. So this woven family of redemption and this family line that we're building up to. But regardless, how does the story unfold? We see the story unfold in the presence of 10 elders. And then we are told some new information. We hear that Naomi is selling her field. And that's how Boaz opens up the negotiations. And we go, how is that the first time we've heard about this? Because all along, Ruth has been gleaning in Boaz's field. And there may be a wealth or a window of opportunity in this family line. They've had this asset. But now we are asking, is the Kingsman Redeemer, the non-named Kingsman Redeemer, going to fulfill his role in the story? Is he going to purchase the land? But then Boaz explains that it's not just the land for sale. The customary practice is that he would acquire the dead man's widow because she is childless. So the name and legacy and future family line is also at stake. So Ruth is part of the package. And his response is, if I say yes to this, my estate will be endangered. And many have commented that Boaz is extremely clever. He's kind of forming this story. He's interested in the land, but he's not interested in marrying Ruth. The proposal is too costly. The land might be possible, but marrying Ruth is a step too far. And the dispute would be settled, we read in the text, don't we, with someone taking their sandal off and passing it to the other member. It's almost, I am walking away from the story. I don't need this anymore. I'm going to give it to you and I'm going to exit the story. And that's what I think we see again, a character that is not prepared to pay the cost and be all in. He's dusting his feet off and he's walking away. So Boaz announces to the elders and all the people there, today you are my witnesses. I have just bought the land from Naomi and her two, that belonged to her husband and her two sons. And I will marry Ruth to maintain this family line and family name in the land. And then in the text we read that he does this so that Elimelech's name will not disappear from the town records. And that's amazing because actually, in hindsight, that's such an understatement because their name is now longer not only preserved in town records, their name is part of the genealogy of David, part of the genealogy of Christ, part of like Christ's redemptive story. And John's going to be leading us through that theme next week as we land on this idea of legacy, how God has full circle hope Redeemed and redeemed, restored and redeemed a family, even to lead us to Jesus. And they respond, We are witnesses. They understand their job. They have witnessed an act of redeeming love. And now they are seeking God's blessing. It's their job to speak of it to others. And in scripture, this theme of being a witness, this theme of 
experiencing and then sharing with others is traced and developed right through scripture. We learn that God wants a group of witnesses, a people who have experienced him to then represent him to the world. And there's a difference between being a witness, so observing something, and then bearing witness, sharing something with others, almost becoming an ambassador, taking being a step of a witness one step further. It's not just having the means to speak of it, but it's living a life that shows our attitude and our behavior. So here, they witness Boaz, honorably redeeming Ruth and Naomi. And I believe through that, they witness God. They witness Boaz responding in a loving way, being the answer to their provision and their refuge and that safety, the prayer that he prayed himself for Ruth. And it's now their job to testify that to others, share that news and be present and record living history. And like I've said, this is a repeated theme theme throughout scripture, a call for us to be witnesses, to share and reveal Jesus with others. If we trace this through scripture for a moment, follow me. So at first, this call to be a witness comes to the Israelites. God has freed them from slavery. He sets them apart and he appoints them to be a nation to bear a witness to him about what they have experienced and seen God doing. The God of Yahweh has set them free from slavery and they're supposed to proclaim that to others. But we know the story, they stumble along the way and they, they mess up. So a chief witness, Moses, is appointed by God. Moses is to bear witness to the people, be a mediator, where they were blinded and couldn't see God. And as the story goes on, Israel forgets their job to bear witness to God. So God has to raise up prophets like Isaiah, who calls out and says that the people are blind and deaf. They're closed off to him. So through Isaiah, through a prophet, Isaiah explains that God will raise up the ultimate chief witness. who will be a servant who will open the eyes of the blind and the deaf so that they can truly see God and truly be a witness for him. So then Jesus comes to restore people, restoring sight to the blind, and incredibly is crucified on a cross. And then women and the first disciples of the day witness Jesus alive again. And then Jesus sends them out. He says, you are my witnesses. And he sends them out strategically across the world to bear witness to him offering an invitation that they would meet with Jesus through them, the one who restores and redeems and rescues. So right through scripture, this job ends up at our feet. We are Christ's witnesses. We have experienced firsthand the redemptive nature of Christ. We have tasted his grace, his goodness, and we have come to know and understand the great expense that he has paid for us. So then it's our job to be a witness to what we have seen, experienced and heard to tell others. Would my story, would my character help others 
meet Jesus. Because that's the calling on our lives, to be people who are redeemed ourselves, to then be people where others can find redemption. Those saved by Jesus are called to be agents through others where they are introduced to Jesus, meet with him and can be changed by him. And then what do we see in the passage? Our witness should lead to a blessing for others because we are blessed to be a blessing. And one thing that I've really enjoyed studying through Ruth is when we see the characters in their everyday life pause, bless one another, or pray to God, right in the middle of what they're doing. For instance, Naomi insists that her daughters-in-law should stay put right at the beginning, and she prays for them. And then we see Boaz entering a field, which is his part of his daily work, if you like, and praying a blessing over the workers. The Lord bless you. He offers Ruth a generous welcome and prays that she would find refuge under the arms of God. Naomi sings for joy and prays to God when she finds out that Ruth is gleaning in Boaz's field. Naomi prays a blessing over Boaz when Ruth returns with the abundant leftovers. Do you see the pattern? Right in the middle of daily life, they share a blessing and are praying for one another. So that's our job, to witness, to pray, and to be a blessing. They are brilliant witnesses because they bless one another in word and deed. We've entitled this series, this study together, Everyday Faithfulness. Because my heart has been that you would see through these characters' lives how they respond, how God is part of their everyday life. And I long for our character to be the same as Boaz. What do I mean by that? That through Boaz, we were introduced to Jesus before Jesus came. So if my life is like Boaz, then through me, people are introduced to Jesus. If we are to be like Ruth, then we see in Ruth's life that she is a pursuer of hope, that she makes faithful decisions. So then through my life, if I live like Ruth, people might see this faith, this brave faith that I am living. Just like Naomi, who says God is with her in the midst of her pain, that people might say about me that God is with me. So I ask, thinking about the witnesses in our story, thinking about the characters that we have studied, how is your witness? Where are you having everyday conversations of faith? Where are you praying for people, blessing people? Bronya and Tom always tell us about the prayer pastors involved in Supron, that no one turns down a blessing. How are we being a blessing to others? Because here we see the witnesses witness this redeeming act and then they pray a blessing. They pray, may the Lord make the woman who is coming to, into your house, Boaz, like Rachel and Leah who together built up the house of Israel. Here they are praying, Ruth too, would you become like Rachel and Leah and would you become part of this famous family? May she have descendants 
within the family and purpose of God. Then they pray a blessing over Boaz. They pray, may you prosper and be renowned. Because, and that's quite an incredible prayer because what Boaz is doing is stepping up to redeem Elimelech's family name. And they are essentially praying, would your name be renowned? Would you in the midst of this Boaz receive a blessing? And then they pray for the future of the family. And they link this family to the family of Perez. And what's the significance of this comparison? I think we can parallel the two stories. The Kingsman Redeemer um, in Tamar's situation was when she seduced her father-in-law. In a sense, what did Tamar do? She wrote herself into God's story when she was hopeless and desolate. Both Tamar and Ruth are woven into this family redemptive genealogy of Christ by being a part of the story. And here, the witnesses are witnessing Boaz redeem Ruth. And then we witness answered prayer. Because we know how the story is going to end. We know this future genealogy of Christ. So what they pray, we have witnessed the answer to. And I find that pretty amazing. So I think this morning, there is a call for us to do two things. The call on our lives are to be witnesses. And in the midst of that, it's to be a blessing. So I ask you today, what prayers are you praying now that are going to bless future generations? Where they will see answered prayers in the years to come. I love hearing what you guys have shared this morning, Alex and Sam, about what you are doing for this generation. May we pray prayers that will have a future impact. May we be a blessing now, witness and share our faith so that in the years to come, people will look back and see the answered prayer like we see. We see Boaz's name be renowned. We see a family line restored and we see children that lead to Christ coming. What prayers are you praying today for our future generation that we believe God is going to answer in the years to come? And how are you today sharing, bearing witness to your faith so that others may see and meet Jesus who has redeemed and restored you? Today, this is about our daily life. Where are we seeing God at work? Where are we introducing and bearing witness others to faith? How are our prayers shaping future generations to come? I want us to pray this morning for a legacy and that we, God would use us in our everyday life. I'm going to ask the band to come and to help us to respond because we're going to sing a song that I would love us to use Um, as a prayer response and we're going to sing God in my living and the the refrain and the chorus is be my everything God in my living God in my sleeping there in my laughing there in my waking and it's an invitation for us this morning to invite God to be part of everything that we do 
as an invitation to say, God, would you use my daily life to bear witness to you? In my laughing, would people see your joy, God? In my weeping, would people see and meet you? And I wonder now as we respond, as we prepare to come round to the communion table in a moment, where we see again a visual image of God sending us out because he has restored us to bear witness to the world, where we could pray big prayers that our future generations may know our faithfulness now that changes the course of history. So in the midst of that today, our prayer is, God, use me in my everyday so that future generations may come to know you, so that your family redemptive story may continue and thrive as God builds his kingdom here in this place. So I invite you to stand as we respond now, praying that God would be a part of our everything, that he would use our daily life to bear witness to him, that future generations may know him and know his works of faithfulness as God's continued redemptive story continues to unfold in and through us. So I'm going to pray as we come round to respond, to go, refilled again by his bread and his wine, to go to a world that needs it. Let's pray together. Father God, this morning... We don't just want to spectate from afar and witness who you are, but then do nothing about it. Lord, the call on our life is to bear witness to who you are. So we proclaim that we are here in this place to meet with you, to then share with others your redeeming work. And I pray that this would be a place where we pray bold prayers for future generations to know you, Lord. And that we would see answered prayer. So we pray your blessing on children and young people here in this place. We pray your blessing on families that don't know you yet, that we believe you are going to redeem and restore to use for your glory, Lord. So we place you... It's central in our lives now as we respond. And Lord, our prayer is that you would be our everything. You would be part of our everyday lives. That you would use us to be a blessing, to bear witness to others, so that we would see your continued redeeming story outplay and that you would use your church. So Father God, as we respond now, our prayer is, be our everything. Use us. And help us to pray bold prayers. To see Christ's legacy continue, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to sing. The prayer team are about. But I just want us to respond and prepare our hearts to have communion this morning. But if you have a prayer that you want to pray, come and speak to John and I. But let's use this song now as a prayer response. Lord Jesus, would you use our everyday lives, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.